0: This is a Charles Russell Speechlees podcast. Welcome to Property Patter. My name is Emma Humphreys and I'm joined today by Richard Flenley, who's one of my colleagues in our real estate disputes team, and by Mike O'Connor, who's from our construction team. Welcome to you both. Now, ever since the tragedy at Grenfell, an unbelievable six years ago, in which 72 people tragically lost their lives, the safety of our residential and mixed use buildings has been high on the political and social agenda. We've seen reports, inquiries and much soul searching over how such a tragedy could happen in 21st century Britain. And we now have substantial reform through various legislative measures, the key plank of which has been the Building Safety Act. Now, Mike and Richard jointly lead our expertise in this new, little-tested legal landscape, and they're here with me today to talk about some of the areas where it's having an impact. Um, let's start with you, Richard. Perhaps you could tell us a little bit about what's been keeping the building safety team busy over the past few months.
1: Uh, yes, thanks. Thanks, Emma. Hello. Um, the focus that the building safety team has had principally over the last few months has been on the registration of higher risk buildings, so higher risk buildings uh, defined within the act as being those that are at least 18 meters high or have at least seven stories plus um, they include a minimum of two residential units and as part of the wide-ranging reform that you referred to uh, the new role of the building safety regulator was created Um, and that has ultimately meant that those people who are responsible for higher-risk buildings are under a legal duty to register the existing in-occupation or about-to-be-in-occupation buildings, uh, the deadline for which passed on the 30th of September. So as you can imagine, there's been quite a big focus across a number of our clients uh, to, and others to discuss exactly how uh, that obligation needs to be satisfied um, and some of the legal issues that are thrown up in terms of interpreting who it is that has to make that application.
0: Yes, I mean, registration certainly seems to be a, a key issue and a real minefield. I mean, what do you think the regulator will do next?
1: Well, now, now that all of the applications should have been made, uh, whether they have all been made or not uh, will remain to be seen. Uh, the regulator should be poring over those applications. Uh, looking at the detail of the submissions in relation to the buildings that are being registered and have been registered. Um, And there will come a point in time when the regulator will make contact with the principal accountable person for the for the relevant buildings uh, to ask for more information in the form of a safety case report. Um, The safety case report will include uh, even more information than will have been submitted to the regulator up till now, to include things like the resident engagement strategy that the legislation requires and, and also various risk assessments and measures that are being taken to manage building safety risk.
0: And Mike, what's the position? I mean, as Richard says, I'm sure not everybody will have got done this on time. What is the position if you fail to register?
2: But they uh, say that the deadline was uh, has now uh, been and gone uh, 30th of September. Um, we're not aware of any uh, communications or uh, pronouncements from uh, the regulator. But under the Building Safety Act, um, there is, of course, uh, the ultimate sanction of um, criminal proceedings um, against a principal accountable person. Um, and those being either a conviction or a fine being levied against them um, for anyone that's had those buildings that uh, has not been registered but have continued to allow them to be occupied beyond the, uh, the 30th of September deadline.
0: Yeah, so pretty serious stuff, then, really.
2: Yeah, um, pretty serious if you've hmm. consequences if you haven't um, registered in time.
0: And clearly, this. Um, Accountable person status is of critical importance. Um, what further considerations are there for accountable persons now that the registration deadline has passed?
1: Well, now that the deadline has passed, um, it is not really a case at all that that's job done and we move on and forget about it because the new regulator has been very clear in the number of the briefings that have been made and also within the legislation itself, that they expect engagement, they expect an ongoing dialogue, um, a close relationship between the regulator and the, and the accountable persons for that building. Uh, it is probably important at this stage just to remind people or make them aware, if they don't know already, that there can be a number of accountable persons in one building um, uh, with one principal accountable person with overall oversight and responsibility for um, ensuring compliance with the new legislation so for accountable persons in a building where there are multiple ones that means understanding the area of the building that they are accountable for the responsibilities that they have under the legislation and then working hand in hand with the other accountable persons in the building and the principal accountable person to make sure that building safety risks are being actively and proactively managed that um, includes things like regular risk assessments looking at the structure the construction of the building making sure that they understand the 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 fabric and what's what's behind the skin um, and making sure that sensible um, decisions are both being taken and also being reported to the regulator as and when new information comes to light i mean there is a very clear obligation that comes out of the registration process but is also within the legislation which says that where an accountable person or the principal accountable person becomes aware of a change to any of the information supplied to the regulator already, they have a two-week window in order to provide the updated and corrected information for the regulator. So there's, there are clearly uh, going to be increasing steps that are required, uh, and we would encourage certainly those who are accountable under the legislation um to ensure that they have familiarized themselves with their role their duties and taken appropriate advice when necessary
0: yes absolutely it's easy to um to find yourself in difficulty under this act and moving on from accountable persons let's i think it'd just be useful to touch on the building safety fund mike where are we up to with that
2: the government funds are still open uh for applicants uh, to apply for funding uh, to remedy uh, defective cladding and there are also uh, government recently announced um or back in may uh, a further 18.6 million uh, fund for the installation of alarm systems to replace the waking watches that many buildings uh, adopted uh, in the immediate aftermath of of grenfell uh that fund, uh, as I say, uh, was opened or extended back in May uh, 2023 and remains open uh, until uh, the 24th of November. In terms of uh, funds and uh, availability, according to the latest data from the government, which was released recently, it's saying that um, 90% 96% sorry, of all identified high rise, uh, residential buildings or publicly owned buildings Uh, In England, these stats are just purely, in relation to to England, have either uh, completed their remediation work or it has commenced uh, to remove uh, the ACM. So according to the government stats, they're they're, they're well on the way, or at least having um, uh, many of the buildings remediated.
0: That's higher than I was expecting to hear. Does that surprise Mm. you? Yeah,
2: it is. Well, I mean, the the devil's in the detail as to how far they are progressed and actually... Mm. um, you know, there there are obviously many many buildings still to be remediated, and you know that we're we're dealing with uh, buildings having needing requiring remediation, um, and that the process is convoluted and can be quite slow.
0: Well, that's what I would expect. I mean, certainly even from what I come across, which is other projects which aren't. You know, addressing cladding, but but you mm. know, they're, they're involving building safety issues, everything is just taking so long because everybody yeah. is busy with this, and it's quite difficult to get attention from the advisors that you need. I mean, even even leaving aside the complications of getting the works done and everything else, um, I've noticed how slow it is to get even quite minor projects pro- progress. So yeah,
2: I mean, the, 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 there's a uh, you know, there is only uh, a certain number of contractors, construction companies in the UK. They're all very busy, not only just doing remediation work, but you know, other construction works are progressing elsewhere in the business, uh, in the industry. So yes, it is a, it's finding the right people. Uh, that's not only contractors but consultants, and being able to progress your your project as quickly as possible. It it, it is a, it is a slow slower process than uh, many people would have said. But as you say, ninety six percent according to government subsidies is, is is still pretty high.
0: Yeah, it is interesting stat. And what's the government doing now about requiring developers to remediate buildings at their cost?
2: There was, of course, the uh, the building safety pledge, uh, and that sort of was applied for. uh, Dare I say, sort of the larger developers. Um, So that commits them uh, to sign up to what is referred to as the developer remediation contract. It commits them to repay sums paid out by government funds to remediate or to fund uh, the remediation of cladding defects uh, for buildings that they've developed over the past uh, 30 years. And that's that's 30 years prior to uh, the 5th of April 2022. Of those developers, um, 49 uh, of the, the major developers have signed up to the pledge on a, possibly a slightly lower level. Um, but... Um, than those major developers, the government's also introduced what's known as the uh, responsible actors scheme. Now, that is uh, the eligibility criteria for that is is quite convoluted. But in effect, if you are a uh, your principal business is residential property development and or you've been responsible for remediation of a building over 11 metres, which contains uh, uh, fire safety defects or did contain fire safety defects, you'll be obliged to sign up to that scheme. Um, for those that um, where you are obliged to sign up to that scheme, you'll also be um, expected to or required to sign up to the developer remediation contract. And in addition, uh, commit to repaying sums paid out by the various uh, government funds. So it's another way of capturing uh, parties who the government deem are responsible uh, for these building safety uh, defects. The consequences uh, for not signing up is that you can be prohibited from future further development work. So if you meet that eligibility criteria, you don't sign up, um, but you continue to develop Uh, residential buildings high-risk residential buildings then uh, the government can potentially prohibit you from actually carrying out those developments and that's either through uh, refusal of planning uh, uh, planning permissions or building control prohibitions just coming back to the funds and things like that that the government um, and under the building safety act there is of course the remediation contribution orders now uh, this is a brand new uh a cause of action which was brought in by the Building Safety Act. And that entitles uh, the Secretary of State to seek a contribution uh, from anyone that has um, a legal or equitable interest in a building which has fire safety defects in it. So if the government has produced uh, or or funded some remediation works to a specific building, uh, it has through a remediation contribution order a route to recover some of those funds from anyone that owns the building in effect. And and, and finally, I suppose the the other point is uh, for those parties who are obtaining funding through through the government fund, there is of course uh, an obligation on those parties receiving funds to use all reasonable endeavors to pursue uh, reasonable remedies available to it. that's quite convoluted way of saying, basically you're under an obligation to seek to recover uh, monies from the party that is deemed to be responsible for the defects. And obviously, then, to the extent that you do recover any monies from wrongdoer, uh, then you'll have to repay the the funding monies back to the government.
0: Wow. So... I guess the short answer to the question of what's the government doing about developers remediating buildings is a lot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Quite. I Every mean, angle I, I, covered. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I, I mean the, the yes, there is I mean and and in discussions that we've been having the, the the clear intention the government has loaned or funded an awful lot of these remediation works and it is making sure that it has as many routes available to it as possible to recover those monies from those parties that he it considers are responsible so Mm -hmm. you you have very little right of you know uh wriggle room in terms if you are a responsible party Mm. and 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 little capability of avoiding your liabilities
0: Uh, well i mean i laugh but it's not funny if you're a developer and um uh, you know, I, I won't stop because Richard knows otherwise I won't stop. But um, it's it's interesting, as you say, the, the government has funded a lot of this and one might say so it should. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I couldn't possibly comment. To finish up, Richard, before I do get on my soapbox about the government's role in this, if you were to summarise in a few words the topics you think are going to be key over the next few months, because I know that this is the... Hot topic still, uh, building safety uh, is not going anywhere. Um, What do you think is going to be key over the next few months?
1: Well, as you know, I'm I'm not really a man of a few words, but I'll do my best. Um, The first topic of my three topics I think are going to be critical to certainly my part of um, this subject area uh, relates to the application of the service charge restrictions contained within um, Schedule 8 to the Building Safety Act um, and the relationship between those restrictions and the re- and whether or not uh, they enable retrospective recovery of service charges for works undertaken and service charges paid prior to the 28th of June 2022 cutoff date. Um, we've had one decision so far about that, the petition to Inspired Sutton. Decision. There are others going through uh, the tribunal process at the moment. um, And so hopefully we'll get some further clarity on that interpretation. Um, I think we're going to also see continued disputes around who the principal accountable person for buildings is. Um, We are already seeing a number of those. There is a mechanism within the legislation for the first tier tribunal to be able to determine that dispute but understandably quite a lot of those disputes have come quite close to the deadline for registration and so i I suspect that registration applications may well have been made um, for registration with the regulator um, in circumstances where the underlying dispute as to who the principal accountable person is has not yet been resolved so i think we will probably see some more applications to the tribunal on that front And then I think we, looking forward, are going to be looking at the prospect of enforcement action by the regulator for breach of the registration obligations. As Mike was alluding to earlier, um, there is a criminal offence that the uh, legislation creates and anticipates. um, Quite when that um, is looked at by the regulator as part of its enforcement powers, uh, we don't know, um, but I suspect that they will want to be seen to be using those powers um, where there are flagrant breaches of the rules.
0: Yes, I'm sure that is the next thing coming. And what about you, Mike? Um, Other key topics you see coming over the horizon?
2: Um, I I think the the first one is uh, obviously from 1st of October now, we now have the new regulatory regime in force for uh, new um, high-risk buildings. um, And... That applies um, in terms of gateways that are required um, during the construction process. So, gateway one is um, is actually uh, planning, and that's been in force uh, since uh, for a number of months now already. Gateway two uh, is a um, they act as hard stops. So, gateway two is required before uh, construction commences on on site. Um, as part of that gateway process, you're required to submit various documentation, health safety documentation, planning documentation to the regulator. And that accountable person is not permitted to uh, commence construction works until that approval has been given by the regulator. And there is a process of 12 weeks, uh, which the uh, regulator has to approve that documentation. So that is going to impact on uh, the uh, Construction programs undoubtedly. Same uh, situation, really, in terms of Gateway 3, which uh, happens before occupation. Now, uh, as and when you reach uh, practical completion of one of these high-risk buildings, you will be required to submit further documentation to the regulator to uh, establish that the building's safe and you've carried out your obligations as the accountable person and the building is in effect safe for habitation and or or will permit habitation. Again, the intention there is for a 12 week um, window uh, for approval. So I I think this is really going to be key uh, for developers and contractors alike, because there is that 12 week window where potentially you could have a building that is ready for occupation which you can't, can't actually occupy it until the building uh, safety regulator has approved and signed off on it. So you, again, um, parties who are uh, looking at these sorts of developments uh, need to, will need to start factoring in those, those time periods. There is of course um, some transitional um, periods uh, or transitional regulations. So what, sorry, what I've just said is that they, those gateways will not apply If, and this big if, you have submitted a planning application or you have uh, an an initial notice in place before 1st of October and the works have uh, sufficiently progressed uh, by 1st of October 2023. And the term term sufficiently progressed has a specific definition and that is um, the placement of a permanent trench or pad raft or file foundations um which allows uh, the the main building works to, to begin to begin so you have to do quite a lot in order to avoid um uh, the, these gateways being in place it's not just the case of you know putting putting spade in the ground like a sort of the old traditional um, planning application and, and planning permissions to comply with that you've, you've got to do something substantially more than that i think the other point which is causing uh, certainly some debate with the clients that I speak to is uh, Michael Gove's pronouncement on the second staircase for buildings uh, over 18 metres. Um, as of yet, it is just a pronouncement. It is a response made to uh, some, uh, the consultation process. Um, it's not yet clear at all as to how and when that uh, requirement is going to be implemented whether that be through regulation or uh, some other way but I think that it is a, a clear concern um, for developers of these sorts of buildings as to how that is going to be implemented and particularly where buildings are already under construction or in line to be constructed and, and what process they're in and what the transitional period will be. I know that for example there have been some fairly short and um transitional arrangements uh, made in the past and it'll be really interesting to see how how the government deals with
0: that going forward yeah that's a very good point <laughs> you say about pronouncements from michael gove i have heard it um uh, actually i think we're in danger of developing a new verb for the oxford dictionary which is to be goved uh, as as has happened to uh, i think some developers um Well, thanks very much, Mike. Um, That's been a really useful summary of many of the key issues which developers and building owners are going to be grappling with in the building safety field, not just at the moment, but for the foreseeable. Um, I'm sure it won't be the last time we talk about these topics. um, But in the meantime, our listeners may like to take a look at the excellent uh, building and fire safety hub which i know you both work on um it's on our website to help people keep up to date with all of these changes so uh, please do take a look and uh, thank you very much for joining us this is a charles russell Speechley's podcast